Amen. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you, all of our worship team, our tech, and all those guys are all volunteers that give up their time, talents, and resources to the Lord, and we're so blessed to have them. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All right, real fast, like we got a, a couple things to do here as we get moving, and I want to share with you that 503 years ago yesterday, a major move of God took place in the church. Martin Luther nailed a thesis to a door standing against the tyranny of a political corrupt establishment called the church. God had convicted him and he began to grow in his faith as he sought God and tried to earn God's favor and couldn't. And as he traveled through his years of becoming a priest and a monk in the Catholic church, he was left of this emptiness that would not leave him alone. And he began to read the book of Romans and he had studied all that stuff and taught it. But it was in that book that he saw in the very first chapter that salvation comes by faith, not by works, not by a permission or granting of the church. And he had seen as God opened his eyes to the corruption of the church as the Pope had set out this new edict saying that you could pay some papal indulgences, give some money and pay for your sins ahead of time. As for real. And it was all to build the St. Peter's Cathedral. And so as God began to convict Martin Luther about the wrong that was there and what was happening and saw the corruption that had developed in the church, he took a stand. And in his stand, as God revealed his word to him, it was within from 1517 when he nailed that thesis to the wall, which was a the, the doorway, was a public challenge of debate. It's kind of like our Facebook today, um, only it was civilized. And uh, so they... <laughs> They, uh, they began to ingrain in uh, a bunch of debates and controversies. He was called to the Pope to give account a couple different kinds at times, and he was told to recant and bow to Rome. And he said he could not recant and bow to Rome. He had to bow to the Word of God and what God was convicting him of. And he made a stand. And church, today we exist through Christ moving in the heart of a man Martin Luther, as he led the Protestant movement of salvation by faith and the word of God being the authority of our salvation in the church. Now, I want everyone to understand, I know a lot of people come from a Catholic background. I'm not here bashing the Catholic church. All you have to do is look in secular history about the church and you will find the corruption that was there and the move of God that was necessary. Martin Luther had the guts to stand against 1,500 years of tradition in the church. See, we have a hard time with change. And we're uncomfortable sometimes, and sometimes we just accept the establishments the way they are above us and just say, this is the way it is. You need to know what God says to you in his heart through his word, not to create your own theology. That's not the idea. Martin Luther wasn't. John Wesley wasn't. They weren't trying to start another movement. They were trying to help the church align with scripture. And so I want you to know that the primary purpose of our call of God is for you to align your life with God's word understanding relationship with Jesus Christ and what God can do. As we sang our songs of anthem today and praise and conviction and what God can do, some of those things make us uncomfortable because we've not exercised our faith or taken Christ at his word. Youth, you're staying in this room, by the way. Just came to me. You're not leaving this morning. We're going to keep you in here because we're going to have Teen Challenge come right now. We want you to see what God's doing in people's lives and share together. Um, they're bringing you a mic up here, I believe. Come on, you got it. All right, come on, brother. 
So we're honored and blessed to have these, these guys and the ladies from Springboard here. And uh, so we're going to have them share with you. And uh, we're going to be all good, all right? I'm respectful of your time, and so, is, uh, so are our guys. And thank you. God bless you, brother. Welcome. Good morning, church. It is a privilege to be here with you today. Before I get into introducing myself, before I get into introducing Springboard or Teen Challenge, God had given me a word, and then I heard it up here at the end of praise, and it is declare. And with what I see from Pastor Dave, what I've seen through the relationship with Teen Challenge and this church, is that here, Jesus' name is declared. That missions were talked about in the beginning. Missions abroad, but more specifically today, missions here. Teen Challenge, we work in a mission field that the mission field isn't how many lives can be saved, but how we can save each and every life. That every single man that's in this program, every single girl that's in the program, that God has given us a mission to change and to save their life, to introduce them to Jesus so that they will never be the same, so that they can stand on His rock, stand firm, and deal with the things that have led them down the path that they have. See, with us, it's not about yesterday it's not about two years ago. It's not about the day that we were born. What we're here for is today and every day moving forward. That, that if they were already condemned, if I was condemned as I had gone through the program, then there would have been no point for me to continue. But God had a mission for me. God has a mission for every single one of them and, and every single one of you. And so missions is so much, so much bigger than having to go across the world. God can give you a mission and does give you a mission each and every day. And so I just wanted to say thank you for, for that word. Thank you for the worship. Uh, and now a little bit about me and, and then what, what Teen Challenge did in my life. My name is Clayton Kirkwood. I am the center director of the Tucson Men's Teen Challenge. I was born and raised in a small town in southeast New Mexico. Uh, I was raised by a, a Christian mother, a Christian father. They are both teachers. My father was my high school basketball coach. And all throughout high school, I was a very, very good kid. Unless you ask my mom, then I was only okay. But I assure you, I was a good kid. I had almost straight A's, a couple of B's, one C this one time, and uh, that's why my mom would say I was a bad kid. Um, but I never smoked weed. I never drank I smoked a cigarette one time when I was a sixth grader. I stole it from my grandma, and it made me sick. I threw up, so I said, never again. <laughs> but through all that, I was going to church, but I wasn't making these choices because it was truly in my heart. I was making these choices, that they were good choices, but for the wrong reason, because I didn't want to get in trouble. And so whenever I graduated high school and I went off to the University of New Mexico, I suddenly had freedoms. I wasn't in this small town anymore where if I did something bad, it would get back to my mom and dad. As soon as I did it, it seemed like it would get back to them. I was four hours away. I was in the big city. And so the very first night that I was in Albuquerque, I started drinking. Within a week, I started smoking weed. Within a couple months, started experimenting with other drugs. And that was all because I wasn't living right with the Lord. 
I was living a, a way that it looked like I was, but my heart wasn't there. And so over the next year, I continued down that path. My grades started slipping. I was building a reputation back in my hometown as somebody that partied. And then I had a very severe car accident my sophomore year. I was hit by a drunk driver. I spent four months in a wheelchair. And because I had already been experimenting and making choices that were leading me down a path of addiction, I now had a medication, a drug, that was readily available to me anytime I wanted for, for free due to insurance. And that's not to say the doctors. The doctors were giving me medicine for the symptoms that I was telling them. I remember a specific day I went into the doctor's office and I lied to him. I told him that I was in more pain than what I actually was so that they would either give me stronger medication or more of them. And that's the day that my, my medication turned to a drug use. That's the day that I turned to an addict. I didn't have that foundation on the Lord that, that I now have, that, that we now build in these men. And so for the next eight years, I tried to change everything around me to change the hurts that I was having on the inside. I moved from New Mexico to Dallas, Texas, back to New Mexico, to Denver, Colorado, back to New Mexico, to Texas, back to New Mexico, and two or three more moves within there. Every time I try to change my surroundings, to change my heart. But every time I'd go right back to it. After three, four months, I'd be hanging out with the same type of people. The faces may have been different, but the, the sin was the same. It started out with just going out and having a couple of drinks. Then it would uh, go to have a couple of drinks right after work. Then it would be staying out all night before work. And then I'd have a hangover. And for me, what helped a hangover was going back and taking more pills. And so that cycle just continued over and over and over. Now, I have a praying mother. And she had been praying for a very long time, my entire family. The last time I moved back to New Mexico, I was coaching the freshman basketball team at my local high school. I was working at Verizon. And I had gotten to a place where my family had thought I'd hit rock bottom many times. And with these men and these girls, they've been at places where their family and friends had thought that they were at rock bottom. But where the change comes from is whenever we hit rock bottom. Whenever we get to that point where we're tired of the life that we're living and we're ready to cry out and reach out to the Lord. That in this time, in, in my hometown, I was using before every basketball practice while I was working at Verizon. Before we'd go to a basketball game, I would take some pills just to, just to make it through a game. And looking back on it, it, it hurt my heart so much that I didn't give the respect to these children, these freshman boys that we, we came a long way as a team. They'd won one game the year before, and we'd won half our games that year. But still, I wasn't giving them my whole heart. I wasn't giving Jesus my whole heart. I wasn't even giving myself my whole heart. And so we had about a week left in the season, and I was kind of getting to a point where, all right, maybe after basketball season I'll go and look at rehab. I'll look at a program. I had said this many times before, but every time with ulterior motives. Yeah, Mom, I will, I'll, I'll go link, look at this program, but can I have $50 to fill up my gas tank? The truth was, I, my gas tank was full. 
That $50 was for me to go and use some more. But God was narrowing the path that the day after our game, which was the Saturday, our last game, was the Super Bowl, Super Bowl Sunday. Do we have any uh, football fans in here? All right, all right, good. Uh, Broncos, we'll take that. Uh, no, no New England Patriots fans, right? All right. Uh, so the Super Bowl in 2015 had the New England Patriots and the Seattle Seahawks. Arguably one of the best Super Bowls of, our to- of, of my generation, but maybe of all time. And I do not remember a thing that I had been up partying all day, taking all my Medicaid, all my drugs, and missed out on this amazing game. I woke up that next morning sick, scared. I looked at it as I had three options. Option number one, drive to the nearest town. I had already, already used all the other drug dealers. They weren't going to give me any more until I paid them. I owed about four or $500. And so I was going to have to drive far away to get some more of, of, of my drug, more of my medicine. Option number one. Option number two was to move on to heroin. That because I justified for so long, well, this, this drug, it's coming from a doctor. It's not illegal. I'm not addicted because of that. But in that moment, it almost made sense to move on to heroin. I didn't owe the dealer any money. It was going to get me higher. But option number three was to make a change. Option number three was to ask for help. And because I have that praying mother that the Lord lives within, that whenever I went to her school at nine in the morning and I cried out to her, I wasn't crying out to my mother. I was crying out to Jesus that was in my mother. We went into her back office and I just broke down in tears. And she saw for the first time that it wasn't them coming to me for help, that it was me coming to her for help. And God made a way for me to come into Teen Challenge. That was February the 10th, 2015. I came into the program, as every single man does, scared, confused, or at least I like to say that we're all scared because I was. It makes me feel a little better. Uh, But scared and confused, thinking, 13 months, how am I going to do 13 months? But God didn't call me for 13 months. I mean, I'm, I'm here five and a half years later, so if he'd have told me that then, I would have been really, really bad. <laughs> what God called me was one day at a time. Was that my mission for you is to gain a little bit more faith in me, in you as a son of God, in you as, and in the leaders. That was my mission day by day. I finally hit my two-week mark. I call out my first phone call. You know, I, you know I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to tell them all about how good and how the friends that I've made. First thing is, Mom, come pick me up. Please, please, please. <laughs> None of you guys ever do that, right? Uh, then I'd been there for a month, and my family visits came. And my parents had seen a change in me. See, I had this plan that when they were going to come, I was going to have my bags packed, and I was going to throw it into the truck. I don't know, without them noticing and, and hide inside of the truck. Uh, at least, like, they wouldn't let me get in the cab, but there's a covering on the bed, and I was going to climb in there and, and just be a stowaway. Well, fortunately, they had so much luggage and stuff that they were going to go take a trip that there wasn't enough room for me, that God had a plan. Um, but they saw a change in me that I hadn't yet seen. You see, I still had these hurts. I hadn't given them up to the Lord, but what I had been doing was building a foundation 
foundation where I can then start dealing with this stuff. And that's what we have for every single one of these men. Fast forward, I completed the program. I wanted to stick around and do an internship. We have some of our interns here that have had their... These men that are interns, they have so had their lives changed by the love of Jesus that they want to stick around and be that same love for Jesus to the students. They want to do, do to others what was done to them. See, for so long as addicts, it's a very selfish thing. I want to feel better now. I want to do this for me at the expense of anybody else. But these interns, they're doing it for others without getting paid living in a room with other men but growing more than they ever have I did that then I was hired on as the intake coordinator then I was hired on as what's called the dean of men that oversees all the counseling and then earlier in this year I moved up into the supervisor's position and our director at the time his name is David Walensky an amazing man someone I look up to he had been the supervisor for like four years before moving to the director so I was like alright you know God if if it's your plan, I'll be the supervisor for a couple of years. I'll learn. And then if it's your will, I'll be the director someday. God has much different and far bigger plans than what our own hearts can see. Two months into it, he resigns. So going from being the dean of men to stepping into the interim director. Furthermore, this is during a time of COVID. Now I'm thinking, how can I do this? And I went back into that, that selfish, that not addictive person thoughts, but I went back into that selfish. How am I going to do this? When the truth is, there was no I in this. It was, God, how are you going to do this? You see, God gave me an amazing team. God gave Pastor Dave an amazing team. Not just the people up here on stage, not just the people on the board, but every single one of you, that y'all are the church, that they are the church, that, that God has given us this team to make it through difficult times, and that's why we're here today. And so it's not about an I. It's the same as these interns. It's not about making money. It's not about filling up my cup, but it's about overflowing into others. And so I've been the director for the last three months now. I was the interim director for four months before that. And God had a plan for my life far bigger than anything that I could have. Or see, and that's what he has for every single one of the men in the program, every single one of the girls at Springboard, and every single one of you here in the crowd. Whatever that mountain is, that is in your life, that, that you think that I cannot climb, I cannot go around, God has a plan. And he has something at the top of that mountain. He has something for, the, for you on the other side. Sometimes those mountains, you get to the top of it, and you're like, all right, I've achieved it only to see another mountain. And, and it's not like the Himalayas. It's not like Mount Everest where you finally reach the top. With God, there's always another mountain, and He's always going to take you higher and higher. Sometimes you go through a valley, but in order to get to this peak, from this peak to this peak, you've got to go through this valley, and that's where He's going to give you strength. And so some of you men, y'all are in, in that valley. Take that. We might not be as high and lifted up as we felt last week, but it's because he's taken us to a higher place. And so now Teen Challenge. Teen Challenge itself, it is a 13-month-long, faith-based drug and alcohol recovery program. But as much as it is a drug and alcohol recovery program, 
It is a Christian discipleship program. That what we want for every single one of these men isn't just to come and spend 13 months of being clean and sober, although that is one of the things that we want. That is far from the most important thing that we want. That we want to help them, not us instill it in them, but help them instill it in themselves, a relationship with the Lord. That once they have that relationship with the Lord, same as any one of us, that we can fight our battles. That it's not even us fighting our, our battles. It's, it's God fighting our battles for us. And us following Him. That you spend four months here at the Tucson Center, and our building is an old building, and sometimes the battle itself is living in the room with, with three other guys. Sometimes it's not being able to, to cook your own meals, do your own laundry. But it's through that, it's through those things that you begin to learn to rely on the Lord. That you, we get to come and go to different churches all around town. This is the first time that we've ever come here for a ministry team. And, and I don't know how that has taken place or how it hasn't taken place. That we've been doing the bug splat. Y'all fill into so many ministries. As I was hearing Pastor Dave talking about the gospel, gospel rescue mission, and I would like to say hi to y'all as well. Y'all played a pivotal role in my life. I had chosen to leave Teen Challenge, and I had nowhere to go, and y'all opened up y'all's doors whenever y'all shouldn't have and gave me a place. And through that, I saw God's love. As much as I wouldn't be here for Teen Challenge, I wouldn't be here without the Gospel Rescue Mission. And with both of those, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for God's love through those ministries. After the men have been in here for four months, then they go to the Christian Life Ranch, and they're for seven months. There, it's called the training phase. They're, they're learning how to implement the things that they learned in the first four months into their lives. They're given more time to, to worship on their own. Their homework, they're given time to... They don't have to be in the classroom at a specific time. That they can, they can choose to spend their time on their own. And then after they finish that, they come back for the reentry phase. This is the last two months, and this is when men begin to reenter into society. They look for jobs... They look for places to live. And the beautiful thing about all the things that we've done throughout the program are the relationships that are made, that whenever they're coming back for entry, they're not lost, like, oh my God, I have no idea of what kind of job I need to do. But they've made relationships that people are just throwing jobs at them. And so that is a, just a brief overview of Teen Challenge, of, of what God has done in my life through Teen Challenge. The reason that y'all are all here, and I, I assume the most excited is just to hear some of the testimonies of what God's done in these men's lives. I have not told the men who I'm choosing, so I hope every single one of them are sweating, every single one of them are nervous, uh, rather than just two. Uh, and so, uh, real quick, can I have David Webb, can I have you come up and uh, say a few things? David has uh, become a very good friend of mine, not just in these past few months, but in, in the past year and a half. And so I'm just going to hand the microphone over. He's going to share about a minute or two about what God's done a little bit before he came to Teen Challenge, but through Teen Challenge. Uh, thanks, Clay, uh, for putting me on the spot. But um, <laughs> Hi, everyone. My name's uh, David Webb. I'm from East Tennessee. Um, I entered Teen Challenge in May of 2019, so I've been here for a while. Um, I completed the program. I started an internship, and during my internship, um, I started slowly getting away from the Word and doing things on my own. Um, I relapsed back in July, 
and uh, left Teen Challenge. Um, I became very angry, mostly at myself, but I started pointing my anger towards everybody else. Um, probably had a lot to do with unforgiveness that I hadn't taken care of during the program that resurfaced. I had to finally face it. Um, I, in those two-month period, I came back in September, uh, I was sort of like Clayton. I went from city to city. I lived here in Tucson. I moved to Nashville. I went to Maryville, Tennessee. And then I went to go see my dad while I was drunk. And he did not like that at all. He didn't like uh, what he had seen. So I left. And when I left, he called the police and I was arrested for a public intoxication. That would make my 16th time being arrested for alcohol-related charges after doing a 15-month program. So... um Having a, a Christian father, thank God, and a Christian mother, they uh, started talking to me and said, hey, why don't you try this Teen Challenge thing again? I was like, absolutely not. I'm embarrassed. I'm full of shame and guilt. I could never go back there and face these guys after uh, what I have become. But my dad and mom started praying, and um, I decided to give it another shot. I uh, called Clayton, and he opened his arms right to me and said, come back. And during this restoration, it has really revealed to me the grace of God. And now I know 110% that I'm actually a Christian. And I am so, uh, yeah. I am, uh, I am so thankful for the, uh, falls that I've had in life because, um, I'm a stubborn guy, obviously. And I, uh, I tested, um, the Bible, and in the Bible, in Proverbs, it says that a person who returns to their old life is like a dog returning to its old vomit. It is a hundred percent true. Um, it is if you find faith in God and go back to your old life, it is much worse. Satan is completely after you, and he will demolish you every second he gets. It is true; he is a lion on the prowl, waiting for his next victim to devour and. My weakness and me getting away from the word of God, he was able to do that to me. And uh, I am telling anybody out there, if you are uh, on the fence about being a Christian, get into your word and get back to God as soon as you can. Because I promise you, the devil is a hustler. And he will never sleep. Uh, there's no rest for the wicked, and he will take you down. But God is the MVP player, and he will always win. So stick with him. David came back for a restoration that it didn't matter what he had done the day before. Whenever he had gotten to that point where, you know what, I don't like where I'm at, he remembered God's love, and he reached out to that. And so we're so fortunate to have David back. Uh, we usually do do two testimonies from the men, but we don't always have springboard. And so at this time, I'll have Bree with springboard come up, uh, and we're going to be have, hearing from her. One of the girls is also going to be sharing their testimony. So if y'all could uh, give it up for her whenever she comes up. Here's Bree. Thanks, Clayton. Hi, my name is Bree. I'm the intake coordinator and the bookkeeper at Springboard. And just really briefly, um, Springboard is the adolescent girls program with Teen Challenge here in Arizona. But we are really unique, not just in Arizona, but there's actually only one other program like ours in the whole country. 
Uh, in that, we are a short-term program. Where the men's center is 13 months, we are three to six months. And it's just very different, um, and we also work with adolescents, so there's a lot more that goes into that as far as being licensed with the state and the care that goes into that. Um, so we we just get to be different. It's really fun uh, trying to navigate that. But we so appreciate when the Men's Center invites us along to come and uh, just share what we see at Springboard and the lives that we get to see change. So I'm going to invite Amaya up here. Amaya is coming to the end of her time here, and she wanted to share with all of you. She's going to read what she's written for her testimony. Okay. I can hold. I'm 16. I grew up with my older brother and sister, and I was raised in an unstable, abusive, drug-infested home. My mom always have, would have men in and out of our house. She was an alcoholic and on all kinds of drugs. My mom never really had enough money to buy us food and clothes and was never really there. My dad went to jail when I was just born, so I never really had a relationship with, with him. Growing up was really tough for me and both my siblings. We moved a lot as we learned to fight for everything we had. <laughs> I had a really close relationship with both my siblings because they are more like parents. They basically raised me. Um, me and my siblings would go out late and do bad things, and my mom never even noticed we were gone. God was definitely not the foundation of our home during this time. Eventually, we got taken out of that home and put into the foster system. A year or so after that, me and my sister got adopted, and my brother went with his dad. The family we moved in with did not have Christ as the foundation of did have Christ as the foundation of their home, and they would tell me and my sister about how much God loved us. But based on what my mother had shown me, I never thought I was capable of being loved that much. When I hit the end of middle school, beginning of high school, I really fell into bad habits such as drugs, partying, and being deceitful to my parents. It got worse when my brother took his life on January 14th, 2020. After losing him, I had no hope at all and ran further away from God. I really hit rock bottom. I decided I was atheist and blamed God for my brother's death. Sorry. <laughs> I wouldn't go to school, and my grades started slipping away. I was doing drugs every day, trying to mask the hurt that I had, but I thought what I thought was helping me was just taking me further away from God and my family. I was mad at God, my family, my friends, and pretty much everyone. In June of 2020, I was in the worst place possible as I became addicted to weed and cocaine. These drugs made me more angry, and I did not care for my family or the ones who loved me. After all the emotions and hurt I was masking had built up to the point where I couldn't hold it in, I had a huge explosion. A couple weeks later, I found myself at Springboard. Coming into the program, I was very angry, confused, and disappointed in where I had led myself. I soon realized that I needed God, and that's the only thing that would fill the hole that I had inside. I started to pursue him, and the more I learned about him, the better I became. I wanted to get better, and when I accepted God's love for me, that's when I truly felt joy. I decided to give my life to Christ and have him in complete control, and now I don't even recognize the person I used to be because I'm made new by my father. <laughs> I know that God has great plans for me and always intends everything for good. I am now at peace with my past and my future and hope to lead people who were once like me closer to Christ. I thank God every day for the new life he has given me. The scripture that I always hold on to is Genesis 50:20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good and to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives.
good job, Amaya. I know she was really nervous, but you did great. Um, so at Springboard, um, this year has been a huge step of faith um, in that our two main sources of income are the tuition that families pay for our program and fundraising um, or fundraising events. And at the beginning of the year, the director, uh, Georgia Morrison, and I really felt God tell us that we were to only charge families what they could afford to pay. Um, it costs a lot of money to house and feed, um, you know, teenagers. They eat a lot. <laughs> um, but we just felt God put that on our hearts that we need to make this program accessible to whoever needed it. If they were supposed to be here, then we weren't going to let finances be in the way. And that was already a huge step. And then COVID hit, and all of our fundraising events were canceled for almost the entire year. So to say that this year has been a challenge of faith is an understatement. Um, but just like Clayton said, it's not how are we going to do this, how am I going to do this. As the bookkeeper, what am I going to do? Not much. There hasn't been a lot to do this year. Um, <laughs> it's the truth. But how is God going to do this? And what we keep saying is, you know, when we see no way for it to happen, for it to work, and then it does, that's how we know God did it. So we are just trusting God that we're going to finish out this year, that the bills are going to get paid, and that things are going to um, end even better than we could possibly imagine. So if um, God puts springboard or on your heart um, for financial or for just prayer time or for volunteer support, we would appreciate it so much because that's the only way that that we can do what we do and the only way that we can minister to these girls the way that we know God is calling us to do. Thank you. Thank you, Bree. As we're finishing up our segment of the service, I would like to call up and introduce Tim Ivansko. He is our PR coordinator, and he's going to tell you a little bit about some of what Bree was talking about, uh, some of our fundraising. We have a, a virtual banquet coming up, and so uh, here is Tim. Good morning, church. Hey, first of all, I want to say thank you for Pastor Dave. Um, I deal with a lot of pastors in this position, and he is by far one of the most easygoing ones that I've ever talked to. <laughs> I've been the public relations coordinator for all of two months. Um, I found out during this two months I'm horrible at taking notes. Sorry, Pastor Dave, for always calling you and asking you when we're supposed to be there. Um, but hey, um, so we usually have our banquets in the fall time where you can come, sit, eat, hear the guys sing their little angelic voices out. Um, but due to COVID, corporate made a decision this year to, to respect the community, respect everybody's health, not try to put anybody in danger that's at high risk. So we're going to do our first ever virtual banquets. What does this mean for you? You get to sit at home and watch Facebook or YouTube and watch our banquets, and they'll still sing. You just won't be able to hear it in person. Blessing or a curse, that's up to you. Um, but what we're doing, um, like Bree said, all of our fundraising events this year basically have been canceled. We, um, as a nonprofit, Teen Challenge relies solely on donations, really, to bring funds in to get people like Clay, myself, David, um, all the graduates, all the people that work there, we came in through donations. Um, so it's really big for us to, to receive help in that way. We're still asking for donations for the banquets. Um, if you'd like to help out, we have a table. Springboard has a table in the back. 
Um, we have crosses, things of that nature. If you want to come talk to me, I'm there. I'm available. My business card's there. Um, and we just really appreciate y'all letting us come out, not only and have our bug splat run here, but be here for the biker blessing. Um, I brought some of the guys with me when we came, and they told me in the van on the way home that was the coolest event they've ever been to in Team Challenge. It's really a goal of mine coming in the PR to be more centered in Tucson. Yes, we have relationships in Sierra Vista, Yuma, um, things of that nature, Benson. But I want to focus on the relationship with the churches here and the community to let people of Tucson know that there is help from addiction. There, there, you know, there is help through Christ. And I believe he uses Teen Challenge as a vessel to, for people to get that help. Um, I was a 17-year opiate addict, 27 months clean now. If I can do it, anybody can do it. But with that, I'm going to wrap the service up. I know Clay's long-winded, took up a lot of time, but uh, I'm going to hand it back to him so he can talk to you all some more. Thank you for having us. As we close, there's two last things that I would like to go over. One, as you're, you're heading out and you stop at the display boards, we have some crosses that are there, and I'd like to explain those crosses uh, they, they are for sale, and so talk with Tim about how much they are. But the story just briefly about these crosses, that they're made at the Christian Life Ranch by the men in the program. This wood is from old fence posts, old um, shipping containers that have going to be burned or destroyed that are given to Teen Challenge. The barbed wire is as well from old farming fences, ranching fences, to, to keep cattle or whatnot in that's donated to Teen Challenge. And the same as the men come in and are rusty, are old, made new, so are these crosses. That these crosses are handmade by the men at the ranch, varnished, clear-coated, and made into something beautiful, something brand new, the same as these men are. And so if you feel so led and you'd like one, talk to them back there. And as my last thing and most important thing, with prayer, please lift up the Tucson Center, Springboard, and all the centers across the state that we haven't had the chance to get the word out there that we have beds open. So if you know of somebody that's struggling with drugs, with alcohol, with gambling, whatever an addiction may be, or just somebody that needs direction in their life, let them know that they have a place at Teen Challenge, that God has a place for them. If you know somebody directly, come talk to me after service. And I'll do whatever we can right away to get somebody in that needs help. And so just please, if you don't know somebody, pray for them. And so with that, I thank you for having us here. It has been a privilege, and I can feel the love of God in this room, not only for me, not only for the men, but for each and every single one of you. So thank you. here is used to long-winded speakers on the platform. You're welcome. I told them uh, that I was already warned that uh, both those guys like to talk a little bit, so I was like, well, the, everybody here is never used to that, and they'll be fine, so we're good, man. Uh, the, I'm the, the last thing I say to you, and we're going to get ready to pray and get out of here, is there are many opportunities that God's given to us as a church to minister in the community. 
the Jesus has called us to serve, not just to serve him in our hearts and worship, but also serve like he modeled for us as a servant leader. And so we are excited that God's given us this opportunity. We believe that God has called our church, CFF, and to minister into this community. And I'm excited about what God's doing in Tucson. You have opportunities to serve. Look for those opportunities. Talk to these people back here. We're going to give a financial offering to them today from our mission funds. And we want everybody here to know that along with your giving to support the ministry of CFF, we will have a missions um, opportunity for you if you want to designate some of your giving to uh, Teen Challenge and Springboard. And you can just put it in there and we will divide it between the ministries that God's doing. However you feel led by God to do it, you can also designate it to those specific. But I want to remind you that we do that over and above our giving and God blesses that. When COVID hit, my wife and I talked about it. You know, everybody didn't know anything that was going on financially, what was going to happen. Your giving to the church has been as strong, if not stronger, since COVID struck the church uh, in our community than uh, the, the previous like 12 months. And so, yeah, thank you. So instead of like planning to take a cut, uh, Kim and I decided we would increase our own giving. So I'm, I'm only telling you that because I think God's amazing. We, uh, we prayed about it, talked about it, and we decided that we would pay a 15% tithe to the church just so we were like, we'll give back. And, you know, we have, it's been, God's just good, man. He provides all the time and he makes a way. So I'm not telling you that for a bragging on what we're doing. I'm like, God, you're amazing, you know, and just trust him. Do what he says. That's what we always tell you when you're giving. Do what God says. You can't go wrong. He has it all. Father, we love you. Thank you for Jesus. Thanks for this amazing opportunity to be with you, to hear you moving in lives. Lord, we were singing today about the authority that's been given to us in Christ and how power and, and, and change are all available to us and it is only because of you. Continue to move in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. If someone here feels led of the, the Lord, you need to pray. This altar is always open. Please come to the Lord. I'm going to give you guys from Springboard and from uh, Team Challenge if you want to get back to your whoever's supposed to do that so you guys have some time. We're going to open those doors for you to exit, but please stay there and talk with them. God bless you. You're dismissed. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Our privilege to have you.